Over the last several weeks, we've been reading from the Old Testament prophecies. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God inspired the prophets to give testimony to what he was going to do to help us to know when the Savior arrived that truly he and he alone is Lord. We're going to continue this morning in Daniel chapter 7 to look at one of the prophecies that Jesus apparently considered very significant. And because Jesus considered it significant, we should as well. It's in Daniel chapter 7. We're going to focus on the 13th and 14th verse this morning. In case you didn't know, it's almost Christmas. It's this week. Now, it's going to be a little different this year, and I know that's been a a challenge for all of us to try to figure out how to safely do some of the things that we enjoy doing and then recognizing that we just have to let go of some of the things that we usually enjoy doing during this season of the year. And and, and those traditions are all important. I mean, my family's eaten the same Christmas dinner for the last 25 years, and we're probably going to do something a little different this year, and that's okay. That's all right. Because... The reason for Christmas has not changed. What we celebrate, the reason for this season is still the same, and that is the celebration of the birth of our Savior and Lord. But we know this is more than just a baby in a nativity scene. So much more. As we've looked at these prophecies over these last few weeks, we've seen some ways that the birth of Jesus was an astounding reality. Something that the Jewish people had been looking forward to with great anticipation. And here in Daniel, God inspires this prophet to give the Messiah a title. A name, and it's the title for Messiah that Jesus most often uses for himself. The title, Son of Man. Let's take a look at the prophecy this morning, and then uh, through these moments we have together, we're going to see why Jesus focused on that particular title so frequently, that title, Son of Man. Here's the prophecy. It's found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, now what did Daniel mean by this title, Son of Man? And, and why is that, of all the different titles that are given throughout the Old Testament prophecies for the Messiah, why is this title, Son of Man, why is that the one that Jesus so often used For himself. Well, the reasons point to the reason why he came. Because only the Son of Man could save us from our sin. Daniel chapter 7 tells us that this king is different. In this chapter of prophecy, Daniel 7, he includes several different words of prophecy that literally walk 
through ancient history. Or for him it was going to be the future, but for us it's, it's ancient history. He describes several coming kingdoms. And he uses the image of several different very strange animals. He describes a, a lion that has wings like an eagle. A bear that has ribs between his teeth. A leopard with four wings and four heads. And then this indescribable beast who has ten horns and then gains one more. The thing about animals is, in the animal kingdom, there's always a bigger animal ready to eat them. (laughs) And that's what happens to these kingdoms. A kingdom arises that seems tremendous and powerful and strong until another kingdom comes up that's even more powerful and even stronger. And each of these kingdoms, as strong as they are, as powerful as they are, they eventually come to an end. Until finally this incredibly frightening beast with these ten horns and he gains one more, even he winds up destroyed in a blazing fire. It's pretty radical stuff if you read through Daniel chapter 7. Daniel appears to be describing kingdoms that as powerful as they might seem, they eventually come to an end. And guess what? His prophecies were right. You seen any Roman emperors lounging around anywhere lately? (laughs) Well, if they were lounging around in their palace, they're lounging around in a pile of rocks because all of the Things that the Roman emperors built have long since crumbled into the dust, except for the ones that archaeologists have very painstakingly recreated. And then something different happens. Daniel describes it there in verse 13. In my vision at night, and again, remember, this is a vision. He's seen all these powerful kingdoms coming and going. In my vision at night... I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Now, as with most of Daniel's prophecies, this particular prophecy has had several various interpretations. But but there seem to be some things that are very obvious about what Daniel is writing. First of all, there is a tremendous contrast between these fearsome beasts that have come and risen and then finally been replaced by another fearsome beast that's come and risen and then been replaced by another fearsome beast. But but then there is this one who is different. A son of man. Now initially that doesn't sound very powerful. It doesn't sound very mighty. It doesn't sound very strong, especially compared to these other fantastic beasts that have been described before. But oh, wait for the description. This son of man comes with the clouds. Now that may not sound very impressive to us. You know, we, we kind of think about the Hollywood movie version of, you know, the plane flying through the clouds and it looks really majestic. But, but this is much more than, than that. In the Old Testament, Clouds were often used to describe nothing less than the presence of God. Remember the pillar of cloud that guided the Israelites during the day in their wilderness journey. Or the cloud that filled the temple as God's presence was there. This cloud 
describes something vastly different than all of these beastly kingdoms of men that have come before. This king is different. This king comes in majesty. This king comes with the authority of the ancient of days. That's a phrase that's used often in prophetic literature, again, to describe God himself. This king comes not with the authority of some powerful army or not with the authority of some powerful political machine. This king comes with the authority of nothing less than God himself. This king is different. His kingdom would not end. Now remember, all these other powerful kingdoms that Daniel has described, all these other incredibly fearsome kings who seem to be completely in control, they all came to an end. When, When someone more powerful came along. But not this king. This king would have a kingdom eternal. His kingdom would never be defeated. This king. Is different. One of the great things about, about Christmas, and I, and I think one of the things that maybe we're being reminded a little bit of this year, is, is some of the familiarity of, of, of the traditions of Christmas. And, and sometimes, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And since we're not able to do some of those traditions this year the way that we normally would, they, they've taken on a, a new, fresh meaning to us. Because we miss them a little bit. But for most of us, even though we enjoy the traditions, even though those things are some important things to us, we have those special Christmas times that we remember. And usually it's because something was different about that particular Christmas. Maybe it was the first Christmas that you celebrated as husband and wife. I remember that with with Marcia and me. Our heat was out. There are a lot of reasons to remember that particular Christmas. But, but because it was the first Christmas that we were spending together as a married couple, it was, it was special. Or, or that first Christmas with that first little baby. You know, you put that, that ornament on the tree that said, Baby's First Christmas. I still have that ornament for both of our girls, still on our tree. And we had those because that was a, a special time when we welcomed in that new presence into our family. Christmas that we celebrate each year is the most unique event in all history. God Himself stepped into our world in the form of a a little innocent baby laid in a manger. Son of God and Son of Man. I can't begin to explain how that's possible. How could God Himself be contained in a little baby in a manger? How could that be? There are no human words to fully explain the incarnation. But that's exactly what happened. 
It's why the angels made this proclamation. It's why the shepherds rejoiced when they heard it. It's why Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Because Christ, the Savior, the Son of Man, was born that day. That's what we celebrate. So who is this King, this Son of Man? Let's go back to Daniel's prophecy and then look how Jesus applies this prophecy to himself. And we'll find something very important. Again, listen to the prophecy. It's there in Daniel seven thirteen. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And then this incredible description in verse 14. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now again, remember this description follows all these mighty kingdoms of men that each one of them has eventually been destroyed. But Daniel describes how how this king, this one called the Son of Man, this king was given all authority. Not authority over this little plot of land. Not authority over this little kingdom defined by some boundaries. No, this Son of Man was given all authority, all glory, and sovereign power. No one has those things save for God Himself. He reigns over everything because he is the creator of everything. He rules all because he made all. All peoples, all nations, and men of every language worship him. Most kingdoms have boundaries. You know, and if you enter that boundary, if you cross that border, then you know, okay, I've got to follow the laws of this particular region, this particular nation, this particular kingdom in the Old Testament language. And and you may choose to disobey those laws, but you realize, hey, if I disobey the law of this king, he may punish me. But, But as soon as you get over the border, that's no longer true. You know, we all, we all saw it in, in the old movies. You know, the, the cowboys would be, be riding toward the border. Or the outlaws, rather, be riding toward the border, getting get to Mexico. Because they knew when they crossed over the, the border, the federales couldn't get them. Well, that's the way kingdoms work. You know, I, the, the power and the authority is contained by borders, by boundaries. Not this king. His dominion has no boundary. There is no one nor anything in all creation that does not fall under his authority. And his dominion is an everlasting Kingdom Again, Daniel's description was vivid. It was horrifying. As you saw these incredibly frightful beasts representing these powerful kingdoms, but all of them had an expiration date. 
They all had a best if used by stamped on their forehead because eventually their kingdom came to an end. But this king, this king's different. Of his kingdom there is no end. For earthly kings, once they're dead and gone, their palace eventually crumbled into the dust. In fact, archaeologists date how old a city is by how many foundations it has. Because here's what happens. A city will uh, grow and, and, and a king will come in and he'll build wonderful buildings and, and just build all kinds of uh, things that, that show how powerful he is. And then another kingdom will come along and, and tear it all down. Destroy it. Wipe it off the face of the... Except for the foundation. And then on that foundation, they'll build their own little kingdom. And and then that will have some wonderful palaces and and statues. And then another kingdom will come along and tear it down. And that's how archaeologists date how old a city is. They, They dig all the way down through all the foundations and it's like rings in a tree. All the different foundations date how old that particular city might be. This king. And this kingdom is different. Of this reign, there is no end. The Son of Man's rule is eternal. So, that's quite a description. But how does Jesus use that title for himself? Let's take a quick look this morning. Mark chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise Again, Matthew chapter 26, verse 64. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where he makes this identification directly to himself, describing who he is and what it is he came to do. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That is the Jesus we proclaim today. The Son of God and the Son of Man, both fully God and fully human, Come into our world that he could teach us of the kingdom of God, that he could die on a cross, giving a sacrifice for our sin, and then that he might rise again to prove Daniel's prophecy to be true, that this son of man of his kingdom, there will be no end. Make this a Christmas like no other. That already is. We've had to change a few traditions. We've had to give up a few things. We've had to move around some things. We've missed a few events that we would have preferred having to do. That's okay. 
Because the kingdom of the Son of Man still stands. Of His kingdom, there is no end. And that is a reason to celebrate. Heavenly Father, during this challenging year, we have seen afresh and anew your faithfulness. That though some of our traditions might change, though some of our patterns of living might change, your love and your power remain the same. And during this season of the year, we're reminded that though the ways that we celebrate may change, the reason we celebrate is still the same. So, Heavenly Father, we pray this would be a Christmas like no other. Not because of the things that we're missing, but because of the reminder of the one we have who will always be the same. For this we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, an opportunity for you to pause for just a moment and think about, pray about, what does God want me to do? Because that title, Son of Man, that's not just a title for us to know. It's a title for us to live. Here's what I mean by that. If Jesus truly is the Son of Man, and I think the Bible gives us ample evidence that without question He is who He claimed to be. If Jesus is the Son of Man, there's some things that we need to do. Maybe you're here this morning and there's never been a time that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know the story. You you know the facts. And yet suddenly you've realized, wait a minute, Jesus really is who he claimed to be. And because that is true, I need to make him my Lord. And we want to help you with that. You may be wondering, well, what do I do? How do I do that? We want to help you this morning. Now, now ordinarily what we would do, we'd invite you to come to the front. We'd sit down with you, show you in the, in the Scripture the very simple plan that God has for you to, by faith, trust Him. Uh, we can't do that in, in the way that we normally do it, but we do have a way that we can do it. Uh, there in the pews before you, there's a little connection card. Just take that card. Uh, give us some contact information and check the box. I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're watching us online, there's an electronic version of that very same card. It's found at nationalheights.org backslash hello. There's a link to that on our Facebook page and then also on our web page. You'll just give us some contact information. We'll get to you the incredible plan that Jesus has for your life. That he would not only be the Lord of all, he would be the Lord of your life today. That He would not only be the Savior, He'd be your Savior today. So give us that contact information and we'll let you know from the Scripture how today you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There could not be a greater Christmas in your life than that. Maybe there's some other way that God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you're looking for a church home, a place where you can connect with some other believers and find some ways to serve the Lord in this coming new year. 
Well, we would be thrilled for you to join us here at National Heights. And, and again, just on that connection card, just check the box. I want to be a part of National Heights Baptist Church. We'll get the information to you about how you can do that. Maybe there's some other way that God is working in your life. Maybe you've got a prayer request that you'd like to share with your church family. There's a place to do that on the back of the physical cards here, at the very bottom of that electronic form. Just write in your prayer request, send it to us. We would be honored to be praying with you in this coming week. Or maybe this morning, during this special season of the year, you just want to spend a few moments giving praise and glory to the one Son of Man who came into our world that we might have forgiveness and everlasting life. And we would invite you, as we sing, to just spend some time right there where you are, whether you're here personally, whether you're at home watching us, just spend some time praising and worshiping our Lord and Savior. Whatever way God may be leading you this morning, you listen, responding to His call as we sing.